the Action Network podcast, named best betting podcast or radio show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association and the number one show for the invested sports fan. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the football betting recap and weekday review. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson, fresh off of a wild one, a wild hogs win for you. Hogs didn't win. <laughs> Betting-wise, they covered, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And see, that's the problem with everybody out there is there. I was getting a lot of shit about how can you not hold that lead? How can you not hold that lead? They covered, all right? I we mean, it's a, a win. We don't give a fuck about wins here, straight-up wins. They covered. Yeah. They lost by two. Here's the thing that I want to ask you about. These teams that go for two, like, it's like, all right, we're going to go for the win. It's not always smart. Now, if there's a minute left and you go for two instead of kicking the extra point – what that's going to do is it's going to force the opponent to then play aggressively, right? Because they need to now win the game. You're not going to go to overtime. Because if Arkansas kicks that extra point, there's a good chance you go to overtime. So that's fine if you're going to do that. But then don't sit and prevent, especially when you know you're going to play a good kicker, and then you end up losing the game because you went for two. And then if you don't get the two, the game's over anyway. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with going for two unless you were going to play aggressive defensively. Listen, from an outsider's point of view – an outsider, like I'm an insider with with my Razorback program. But from an outsider's point of view, I completely agree with everything that you're saying. But the problem is Bumper Pool and Grant Morgan, our star linebackers, some of the best tacklers in the SEC, not just lead our team in tackles and PBUs and our all hustle. They were both knocked out of the game in the second half. And we were not playing a – and it was obvious. At 40-26, to 26, when both of Arkansas's linebackers got knocked out, we couldn't stop – anything. And that's why everybody saw a live bet on Missouri come in. Missouri was going to be able to do everything that they wanted to do. I knew it was coming. I don't think we had any linebackers left. So I, I literally, it was the personnel. It was a personnel issue and how many, uh, how many uh, injuries we had go out on defense. And I don't blame Sam Pittman for going for two on the road. And, and you know, that builds a lot of confidence in the offense and KJ Jefferson and Traylon Burks and Traylon Smith, the defense just had nothing left. And I, I mean, if we lose it right there, fine. You don't have to lose in overtime because your defense will never get a stop. That was a tough coaching decision, I think, but I think we went into prevent because of the injuries. All right. Fair enough. All right. We're going to get some more college football of a kind of a boring weekend, but we'll cover some of the games. More importantly, we'll get to your voicemails. We'll talk a couple weekday games coming up here. We'll talk some Monday night football. But first, let's do a quick NFL recap. Let's start in the AFC where the Colts pull out a win on the road, a much-needed win, 26-20 to over the Texans. The Texans fumbled late. So if you had the Colts, if you had the under, you benefited from a fumble late deep in Colts territory by the Texans. Colts hold on to win 26-20. They're now in first place because – the Tennessee Titans lost 41 to 35 to the Cleveland Browns. 
the Cleveland Browns have won another football game. Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! Came out with their hair on fire. Baker Mayfield looked great. The running game looked great. Tennessee doesn't get any pressure. This is where Baker Mayfield thrives. It was a great game plan by Stefanski. The Titans still have a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball, but the Browns almost blew a 38-point second half lead. Uh, they had to hold on for an onside kick late. But the Browns have nine wins. You can't take that away from them. Even though their schedule hasn't been great, they have nine wins, and it was a good win on the road against a game Tennessee team who has still major defensive questions. Uh, elsewhere, the Vegas Raiders get a huge win for their playoff hopes on the basically the final play of the game against the Jets, who remain winless. The Jets at least covered, but Vegas wins 31-28. Were the Jets trying to lose? I don't know. It was the first time all season, all season, that a team sent eight-plus pass rushers on a play in the last 30 seconds of a game. So, I mean, the Raiders got a score, and they sent eight. I mean, I know that's Greg Williams' M.O., but they just left their corners out on – you can't even make it up with the Jets anymore. But maybe Jets fans are happy. Shield your eyes. This team is officially trash. The Vegas gets a, a big win for their playoff hopes. Uh, the New England Patriots also – remain in the running in the playoffs with a dominant win, 45 nothing over the Chargers. Uh, I mean, this was the game, you know, you had to expect at some point. Herbert was awful, and he was confused by Belichick. It's not like the Patriots' offense went off. Patriots went 45 nothing. Cam Newton threw for 69 yards. <laughs> That's it. They basically won on specialties. This is just like last week. They had a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. I mean, the, the Chargers were – they had two special teams touchdowns. The Chargers had 10 guys at one point lining up for a punt return. This is this is what you get when you bet on Anthony Lynn. But the Patriots get a win 45 to nothing. Game stays under with the Patriots scoring 45 points. Uh, the Miami Dolphins get a win 19-7. Hold on for the cover late. Two was a little better. Threw for 300 yards. But, I mean, it was the Bengals' defense and – they're still just – just the offense just doesn't look right yet, but the Dolphins get a win, setting up a big matchup with the Chiefs next week. That'll be interesting to break down on this week's podcast. Uh, moving on to the NFC, the Vikings come back and win an ugly wild one, 27-24 over the Jags. As of right now, the Vikings are in the playoffs. Speaking of playoffs, the New York football Giants, the first-place Giants, get an enormous road win over Seattle. I mean – let Russ cook. I, I saw no cooking today in Seattle. Giants win 17-12. Defense balled out. Seattle's offensive line was a mess the entire game. Green Bay wins 30-16. to If you had the Eagles like me, you got a punt return for a touchdown. You got in the number, and then you had an 80-yard broken run with two minutes to go instead of a first down. And the Packers cover winning 30-16. to Rams get a big win In Arizona, they move into first place now with Seattle's loss, winning 38-28. Kyler Murray had like one completion over the first, I don't know, 25, 26 minutes of that game. Maybe it just didn't look right. Uh, The Rams win 38-28. Sean McVay continues to just own Arizona, who's 7-0 against. I think 7-0 against the spread as well. The Saints win 21-16 and cover, unfortunately for me, is three, two and a half. I think they closed two and a half. I had the Falcons plus three and a half. Hey, look, sometimes the Falcons are just going to fall on their face in the red zone the entire game. 
That's just what they do. And that's what they did here. It was sad to watch at the end. They had second and two at the 10-yard line. They're going up against a historically great run defense. They, the Falcons have a terrible run offense. They decide to run it twice for negative eight yards and then have fourth down and throw an incomplete pass. The Saints hold on to win 21-16. And the Lions win 34-30. to Hello, Detroit. Matt Patricia's gone. Daryl Bevel, interim coach, gets a win. Mitch Bortles fumbles late, and the Bears blow it. You've just been Bortled. The Bears have now lost, I believe, six in a row. It's getting ugly in Chicago. They really need to blow that whole thing up. Okay, so that'll do it. We have three games this week. And as of right now, just to fill everyone in, as of right now, the playoff teams – There's seven playoff teams in each conference. Right now in the AFC, Steelers, Chiefs, Bills, Titans, Browns, Dolphins, Colts. That's your seven right now. The Raiders are one back. If the Ravens beat the Cowboys, they are one back of the final spot. And the Patriots are two back. In the NFC, your seven playoff teams, Saints, Packers, Rams, Giants, Seahawks, Bucks, Vikings. Vikings on the tiebreaker right now over the Cardinals. Vikings are six and six. So are the Cardinals. The 49ers can get to six and six if they beat the Bills tomorrow night. And then you have the Bears at five and seven, who were five and one. So that's your updated playoff picture. We'll have much more on the NFL. We'll touch on some of the games tomorrow night later in the show. And then we'll have our in depth previews throughout the week fantasy, our fantasy show. And then Chris Raybon and I will do the entire NFL week. 14 betting card which will be out on thursday morning uh, any thoughts on the nfl com i i almost took an over in the in the patriots chargers game can you imagine having an over 46 and a half in the game landing 45 0 uh if you are a person that likes to do buy low sell high uh, and you're already looking at next week that would be uh tennessee going into the jaguars and that would be the eagles against the saints if you can swallow that yeah, one thing to keep in mind, both Eagles starting corners went out. I don't know. Every time the team plays the Packers, the other starting corners all get hurt. Uh, you got to find out who's going to play quarterback. If it's, are they going to start Hurts? It looked, the offense looked a little better with Hurts late. All right, let's get to some college recap, and we'll let you guys steer that discussion. Let's get to some voicemails. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. Have reached the voicemail box of the Action Network podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. Let's talk for just a god second about the University of Louisiana Lafayette. Friday night, hiding in the bathroom at a fucking holiday party. I cannot believe that I wasted my time and my phone battery watching that garbage. I'm on my, like, fourth bourbon here in the second half, and I'm still trying to rewind this and figure out what the hell is going on in Billy Napier's head. Fourth and nine, you sack App State, 209 left. I don't know if anybody else knows this, but in college football, you get 40 f***ing seconds every play. All you have to do is punt the ball, make App State go to the length of the field in a Forrest Gump-like f***ing storm. 
But no, we're going to run around again like it's Candyland. Oh, blue, green, yellow. There's the tar pit. Oh, no. You're trying to be John f***ing Harbaugh? Thinking you're playing some sort of mind game? Look at me. Quit playing f***ing chess. This isn't the Queen's Gambit. You run backwards. 35 yards. All you did was play six seconds. You're giving them the ball back. And all they need is a god field goal. And you need some dude with an Amish beard missing his second field goal. The worst motherfucking kick I've ever seen in my entire fucking life. Fuck Abstain. Fuck everybody. Holy shit. It's only Friday. Oh, God. The the App State Louisiana game was wild. I don't. I mean, the the, the snapper, the long snapper, had th- right. three snaps, three punts. That he botched a field goal one. Boudreau. I mean, Boudreau is his name. It was a disaster. And then I don't. I don't know what Philly Navy was doing late. You're up five, right? You're up five, fourth down. So you don't trust your punter to punt it. So you take a safety and then you punt it. So like, why not just try to punt it? And if you fuck up. It's still a safety, or take your quarterback and punt it, or go for it. I think he, that was the worst possible decision. But wait, hold on. Let's backtrack from there. It's fourth and two. You are the tenth ranked team in the country in line yards. You are the twentieth ranked team in the country in stuff rate on offense. Those two yards are automatic. What the? F- yeah, then you take a safety, then punt it anyway, and then you're down. You made it three. You, you give him a chance to tie it. <laughs> That was setting up to be an all-time bad beat if you had Louisiana or the under, if the App State kid made the kick, and then he just came in and kicked it to the sidelines. Listen, Wendy. I have to ask you a question because I sat there. I I fell off the couch. It took me 20 minutes to get into the company slack and start talking about this game because I was so mesmerized by Billy Napier's decision. I I still – like, what was he thinking – I consume a ton of sports. You consume an ungodly amount of sports. Our listeners consume everything they possibly can. Have you seen a coach in any sport make a decision to give the other team points and field position and a high probability to win the game? I've never seen this in my entire – I can't think of any situation I've ever seen this in any sport, ever. Yeah, no, you only do that if you're at, like, the one-yard line. Right, like I've right. seen, t- and there's all, and there's like ten seconds left. We've seen Lane Kiffin you- take per- you know, safeties on punt, you know, on, on punt attempts before, but that happened like on the two yard line, right? That that happened. Yeah, down and there's the- not there's not two minutes left. There's usually like twenty seconds left. You just want to make sure that you have room to punt it. Yeah, that was crazy. And I think that there's it's no coincidence that uh, Billy Napier then the next day was announced he didn't get the South Carolina job, <laughs> which is hilarious because you know how that phone call went. That phone call was between his agent and South Carolina. And South Carolina is like, we're taking the deal off the table. And Napier's agent's like, nope, we didn't want it anyways. And then it was a race to social media. I would never leave Louisiana. And South Carolina is saying, no, Billy Napier is not a candidate. Instead, you settled for Frank Beamer's kid. I mean, how does – come on. It was like a double breakup and a rush to social media to see who could look the best. Yeah, well, Louisiana finally got the monkey off its back. Although it tried to lose that game, and they finally beat App State for the first time. And Billy Napier, he had said nightmares. He, uh, they showed that yeah. that clip from 2002, Furman, when he was the quarterback. They went for two, up one, and it got returned. 
with like the in the final minute, it got, I think it was the final play of the game. It got returned for two points, and they lost. Uh, funny stuff. All right, moving on. You know how you know it's Christmas season. Saint Nick's delivering presents all over under the tree. The spread cover, the first half spread cover, and oh baby, we got LSU team total under nineteen and a half. Never in doubt. That's something I thought I'd never say, but we love Nick Saban. Maybe my worst call of the weekend was the under there, over the game under. I mean, Alabama was just throwing 80-yard touchdowns whenever they wanted. And for some reason, Stingley wasn't on Smith at all times. Then he went to Ed O at halftime and yelled at him. Then he was guarding him in the second half. But Devontae Smith, I mean, give him the Blitnikoff right now. What a day. But the one thing I did get right, and thanks to you for bringing it up, I was like, yeah, we got to get on this LSU team total under. As I said, look, no matter what, Saban's keeping his starters in at the end. And he's gonna. He does not want LSU to score any points. So we're gonna have that in our advantage. We talked about it on the pod, and that's exactly how it played out. The, the starters win till the very end. That was a thrilling, awesome bet to win. That LSU team total under nineteen and a half was all kinds of everything that you won in betting. I was thinking of that bet early in the week, but I projected it to be like 16 and a half. So when I saw 19 and a half, I was like, holy crap. And then you actually, you know, you call your shot. We get on the pod, we call our shot, we do it in the write-up and you have that touchdown the way that it went with him dropping it. Yes, I know I've got a hundred mentions from the LSU fans. I know the ball fell down at the one and it crossed and then an LSU player. I, I get it. I get it. All right. The touchdown probably would have happened anyways, but I mean, going from a high to a low, to Edo's dumbass kicking a field goal down by 38. I mean, what are you doing for 50 seconds? Yeah, then he's called timeouts the last minute. What the fuck was that? This rivalry has gotten petty. I mean, it, I mean, you you know Saban. I said it last week. I'm shocked Saban didn't score after he was calling timeouts. I know. And that, all the starters back in. And I think a big handicap of the game was is that Saban had his number ones out there against Auburn when they were covering. And so a part of this handicap by us last week was the fact that we depended on Saban still having the ones out there on defense till the very end, which is exactly what happened. Now, I have no clue why the SEC is making Alabama go play Arkansas. And if this game actually happens, I don't expect any of the starters to be out there in the second half at all. I think it's a tremendous spot for Arkansas, a team full of 18 and 19-year-olds to go out there with no talent, just lots of hustle, to go out there with a big, you know, a big number on Alabama. If this game happens, I think it's a great spot because I don't think Saban has any reason to have any starter out there after the second quarter. Look, all I'm saying, Dave f-ing Doran, Tim Beck, NC State, let's f-ing go. Cover again, win again, let's go. Eight and f-ing three, NC State, eight and three. Come on. Is that a Dave Doran fan? All right. This is Steve Colin Wilson. Listen to that trumpet. In case you're wondering what's going on, it's just leading up to the fact that you need to bend the knee to Buddhist Buckeye. Colin, bend it. Bend the knee to Brutus. Oh, come and sing Ohio's praise. And let Colin Wilson suck our d- with joy that death or Colin dumbass can bring. Oof, this one's going to be fun. Yeah, so Ohio State fans and our, our, our most favorite fan here, let me go ahead and make a statement. You do belong in the college world. I'm glad you got a fifth game. I hope you get a sixth. 
I hope the Big Ten kind of bends the rules a little bit and lets you play in a Big Ten championship game. I think Ohio State absolutely belongs. I just needed more data points. But don't come in here on this podcast and these voicemails and pretend like your fan base is menacing and mean. I went to the 2010 Sugar Bowl with Bobby Petrino and Ryan Mallett taking on the last game I think Trestle was in before, you know, the whole entire team was suspended. So I've been in New Orleans. I've been in the quarters with your fans for three days, and it ain't nothing like sitting at an LSU game at night for two hours. That scared me, scared the life out of me. So don't pretend like your fan base is uh, any kind of, you know, threatening or menacing. Uh, We come down to the SEC country, fan bases like Florida, LSU will scare the life out of you. I think our friend here is a Notre Dame fan, too. I'm pretty sure he's a Notre Dame and Ohio State fan. I don't know how that works. But, look, uh, yeah, I still have major questions about the Ohio State secondary. Yeah, you shut yeah. down Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> Congrats, all right? Uh, now, it's one data point. It's another data point, and it's progress. It's something. But if you want to talk about a data point, and everyone's like, well, yeah, they still shut him down, well, then does that mean that Notre Dame's defense sucks? They gave up. Six and a half yards per play and, and over 400 yards to Randy Culpepper and the Syracuse offense, who had multiple guys run for 100 yards. I mean, that's a data point, too. Notre Dame gets a downgrade for that. Yeah, Notre Dame absolutely lost focus of where they were. Uh, reminds me similar to the offense against Louisville in the, that 12-7 game. You know, Notre Dame had, you know, nine scoring opportunities and and and, and you know, they just they, – they couldn't seem to be able to put Syracuse away, and they got lackadaisical on defense. I don't know if it's looking ahead already, not caring about Syracuse, Syracuse being 1-9 and nine, coming in on the road. Uh, that was a very poor for performance. Now, I expect them to be more focused in an ACC championship game, but, yeah, that shows you – I mean, all that did was, was create some film for Clemson. Yeah, moving on. Colin, you're going to go Wisconsin's the only play? How about those, those Indiana Hoosiers? They don't f- around. They do not f- around. The Hoosiers, Tom Allen, the best college football coach in the America, and also stuck. Please, please get a fucking haircut. Wisconsin, I hammered it as soon as the 9.5, as soon as the news came out. For six units, I buy it back for four units. When it hits 14.5, I'm sitting perfect, right, with a huge middle. No, Wisconsin can't even get the 10 by themselves. This is disgusting. Oh, Tara, these guys suck. Well, Graham Mertz looked awful. I mean, did we all overhype him? I mean, he looked horrendous. Uh, any thoughts here? Yeah, let's clarify here. The Indiana defense won this game. Uh, Jack Tuttle, you know, 130 total yards. Uh, like we said, wasn't asked to do much, not turn the ball over 13 of 22, 60% completion, two TDs, no INTs. But if you look at the advanced box score, uh, you know, Indiana had zero running plays over 12 yards. They had just one pass that went over 20 yards, one explosive drive out of nine. It was the defense. The defense absolutely shut out Wisconsin, which is interesting because now Northwestern and Indiana defenses have shut out Wisconsin. Wisconsin has more offensive issues than I think any of us realized. That's what happens when you play Illinois uh, to start the season off, and your quarterback throw has like a perfect uh, completion percentage. The credit should all go to the Indiana defense because if you look at Indiana, if you look at Indiana offensively from a success rate standpoint, 22% in passing downs, that's not good. National average is 31%. Uh, so Jack Tuttle was asked to not turn the ball over. He didn't, and the defense stood up. Hey, what up, Bo Nix? 
after Jerry Garantano is gone, you're officially the worst f-ing quarterback in the NCC now. How does how the f- does that feel, man? Yeah, Auburn was painful. I had a bunch of painful losses. First of all, it started with North Texas. I, f- I hate this La Tech team. I've hated them for years. This Louisiana Tech team on Thursday, and I'll get to Auburn. I mean, ever all year they have four D1 wins. They're all fraudulent. They all came by like one point, and they got dominated in each of them. By, to like Southern Miss, UTEP. I mean, all their wins are all frauds against awful teams, and they give up eight yards per play. Same with Virginia, by the way. Oh, my God. I can't think of a more fraudulent team in the country. And Boston College, another one, chalked that up. Jerkovich, he gets, he doesn't get the play. His backup still puts up 550 yards on that Virginia defense. They just had a bunch of red zone picks. That Louisiana Tech team is so bad. Look at their – ah, they should have zero wins, literally. They should have one FCS win. Vatek, I want to cry with Vatek. Vatek played Clemson even for three and a half quarters. Statistically dead even game. And they, dropped, they had a Hail Mary come up a half yard short. They had a drop pick six, and then they get all their quarterbacks hurt. They fumble it when their quarterback has a seizure during the snap, and it gets returned 80 yards for a touchdown. They then get down to the five, fumble it again. Then they have their fourth-string quarterback in because their first two quarterbacks got hurt, and their third-string quarterback transferred last week. Right. This game in the fourth quarter, when the fourth string came in, was like 370 to 350 yards, dead even. And I didn't, have, I didn't cover plus 22. That sucked. Uh, and then Auburn, yeah, Auburn at least got outplayed, but we knew Texas a was going to move the ball. This game was decided. We lost the card by one. This game was decided when the refs didn't challenge a ball that hit the ground, and then Texas a threw a touchdown on an interception that got tipped into their hands. But, you know, Texas a moved the ball all day, as we thought they would. The Auburn run defense is horrible. But that one was painful, <clears throat> the Auburn one. And they were down near the five and didn't punch it in. That basically would have locked up the cover. But, yeah, Bo Nick season comes up short. Bo Nick season in full effect. But Vatek, fuck, man, that one sucked. Yeah, that was bad. So Virginia Tech was was rough. Uh, you know, when the first – you know, you get through the first half of that game and you're thinking it was pretty sharp to be on the Virginia Tech side and to think that, you know, the defense was going to be able to read Trevor Lawrence, be able to pick him off. They were going to be able to get stops. And for Hendon Hooker, Braxton Burmeister, uh, to actually move the ball – uh, and then things just came apart completely. You're not taking a Virginia Tech plus 22 if you know that their fourth-string quarterback is going to be in the game. So that's just all that came down he was to. Like a scout, he's got to be like a scout team guy. There's no way he was taking reps. I don't think he's even shaving. But Auburn's a different story. So if you look at the advanced box score on Auburn, uh, we're talking seven yards per play uh, in the first half, uh, 67% success rate in the second quarter, 69% success rate on offense in the third quarter, fourth quarter. 1.5 yards per play, 21% success rate by the Auburn offense in the fourth quarter. Texas A&M put them in an old school wrestling chokehold and said, you're done. And, you know, going into the fourth quarter with Auburn leading by six and holding a ticket plus seven and losing these games is just, it's becoming so common. It's almost like you should have a handicap on who can finish a fourth quarter because some of these teams are absolutely going in leading. These underdogs are leading in the fourth quarter and choking the entire game away and the spread. It's happening pretty often. But give credit to the Texas A&M defense. Problem is, is you're not going to be able to do that to anybody that's ranked above you, and you're not going to be able to do that to most of the teams ranked below you. But, you know, good on Texas A&M. Yeah. Bo Nix, I mean, hit, hit the open receivers, man, and you cover. And you know what? We're going to have to hype this shit up all next year. All next year, it's going to be Auburn gets everybody back. Everybody in the trenches is back. 
Bo Nix is back. It's going to be Georgia and Alabama are coming to Jordan Hare. Like, I already know that by mid-January, I'm going to have to find ways to not like Auburn. I've already got that figured out. So, a project for me in a month. Bo pick season. Colin, Mizzou football fan here, just wanted to tell you to fuck off. How'd you like that 14-point comeback in the fourth quarter, huh, you piece of shit? I don't care if you have Arkansas plus three. Mizzou all day. Woo pig suey. Woo pig suck my ass, Colin. Colin, man, brutal ending to the Barry Odom revenge game. Colin's comments about Barry Odom are the most insane things I've ever heard on this podcast on Friday. Talking about how Barry's a great coach, got his players fired up for him, Mizzou shouldn't have let him go. Barry Odom had a five-game losing streak every year he was the head coach at Mizzou. They hit the season's win total under every year, and he never once won a bowl game. And I'm so happy that we went out and dropped 50 on Barry's head because he sucks. He never should have been the head coach in the first place, and all he did was drive this program further into the ground. Coach Drink is bringing it back. Love you guys, Colin. I'm happy you won money on the game. I saw you middled it, but Barry Odom sucks. So great. Barry Odom is still blowing double-digit leads in Columbia, Missouri. Go Tigers. Absolutely delusional, you Mizzou fans, all right? I mean, we lost our key pieces, but you know what? Every little piece of offense that you saw that scored all over your defense – by the way, your defense didn't do much better, drink fans. Uh, listen, that's that's calling the fan, not calling the gambler. I'm telling you right now, Arkansas is young and hungry, and it's going to be a different story. Coach, Coach Sam Pittman is doing a fabulous job with what he's had to start off with. So I couldn't be happier with the program, and we'll see you guys for that – 180-pound stupid rivalry trophy that isn't even a rivalry, and it, it, neither of us here. I, I think Missouri's, like, rolling Kansas back on the schedule. You know, that, that's what they care about, and, and we care about the boot. Actually, we care more about Texas. So it's just a forced rivalry. It's kind of like the civil conflict. All right, enough of this pillow fight between Arkansas and Missouri fans. Moving <laughs> on. How about those f***ing Coastal Carolina shots, baby? the Mormons! Colin, come on, man. BYU minus 10 and a half. They're BYU. Like, BYU who? Come on, man. Coastal Carolina plays with heart. Triple C dynasty. Triple C dynasty. I didn't even bet this game, but we need Mormons versus Mullins every single year. Okay, Colin, I gave you respect all year. I respected you. you, buddy. you. Cacao. Cacao. Guess what? on. Shit on Coastal. Guess what? We... BYU. Everyone else. Let's roll. Triple C Dynasty. Go Shaunt. It's time to fucking roll. New Year's Six will beat Georgia. We'll beat anyone. Time to fucking roll Shaunt, baby. Kaka! I hope you start this podcast out with a kaka! Like I told you. There's only one thing that matters right now. Say it with me, boys. CCC. Kaka! Shaunt! Sean, the Sean's win. Colin sucks. They deserve to be in the top four. There's nothing you can say otherwise. Roll, Sean. Holy The Triple C Dynasty survives. Triple C Dynasty, baby. Yeah, let's go. Kaka! Kaka! Alright, uh, yeah, that was to get that guy we got that game. It was an awful college football weekend as far as just like an entertaining games and intriguing matchup standpoint and that game was awesome it went down to literally the final yard reminiscent of the titans Rams super bowl and the triple c dynasty pulls it out that auburn game and yorkovich being out makes me so mad because my round robin had ball state truck Tulane, 
the Triple C Dynasty, and then Auburn and BC. Man, it could have been a good one. But yeah, Triple C Dynasty gets the win over BYU. Uh, thoughts on the game, Colin? I absolutely loved the game. I, to me, it was the best game of the day. Uh, the chippiness, the bitterness between mullets and Mormons. Like, and, and no world would these two fan bases ever meet. Uh, I'm trying to think of any sport. I mean, it's just amazing how heated this was. For I, I didn't even think people in South Carolina knew anything about BYU. And, I mean, it just turned into such a heated and hated thing. I have to say this about Coastal. It's just the, the box score that they produced. And, and, you know, give credit to Coastal. Credit goes to Coastal. BYU didn't do everything I thought they would. They had six runs over 12-plus yards. You know, Tyler Algier had, had his big run. Uh, I was a little bit shocked that BYU passed it way more, uh, I think 10 more attempts uh, than they did run. This Coastal box score is just, from an advanced stats, from a nerd standpoint, dork, whatever you guys call me with my glasses and stuff, is, is the most hilarious box score I've ever seen. Zero percent explosive drives from Coastal. One play over 20 yards, and pa- one passing play over 20 yards. One running play over 20 yards. Zero percent explosiveness. But this is what's amazing. Coastal had scoring drives, TD scoring drives, of 17 plays, 11 play, 13 plays, all TD drives that drained 22 minutes of clock. I respect the hell out of double-digit play drives that are eating 80 to 90 yards and draining nine minutes of clock. I was so impressed. And give it to Coastal in finishing drives. Coastal Carolina, points per possession inside the 40, 5.3. BYU, points per possession inside the 40, 1. So that's where it is. Coastal Carolina was way more efficient. It wasn't even close. And when they had scoring opportunities, they made it happen. You should be proud of your Coastal should be proud of themselves. I don't know where we go from here. I've already bet them against Troy. And it has nothing to do – well, it has a little bit to do with the fact that Troy is a really good defense as far as pass coverage goes. So, Grayson McCall is going to have to deal with that. But this spot, going to Troy after maybe winning the biggest – this is the biggest football game in your program's history. You've never competed for a Sun Belt title. BYU is the biggest game in the program's history, and now you're going to go to Troy, to Troy, and next week you get Billy Napier in the Sun Belt Championship. And this is such a letdown spot, and that's why I played it. I actually make the number 14. I think it should be 14, but the spot is unbelievable. But listen, as far as this game goes, unbelievable, unbelievable game from an entertainment perspective. The rivalry cannot be – I mean, that it was a general heated rivalry. That mullets and Mormons was great. And the box score from Coastal, fantastic. No explosive plays. But, I mean, to eat clock and, and have that much success rate is very impressive. Yep. Um, all right, let's do best call, worst call, bet, regret. I'll start here. I literally had – I look, sometimes I have lucky weekends. College football has been more unlucky than lucky this, this year. But sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. Hopefully we'll have a lucky bowl season. But I sat there and grinded – all day, and then I got Oregon State late, as well as uh, that LSU team total under. That got me to up peanuts. I mean, I sat there for 14 hours having drinks on my couch, grinding this day to get up a lunch. Like, I literally was up the amount it would take me for lunch. So I asked my girl, will you buy me lunch tomorrow, takeout? And then that way I can tell myself I broke even today. Uh, like Literally, that was my day. So I just pushed money back and forth all day. My worst call by far 
I laid it with Western Michigan. What the hell happened there? You got wow. to be kidding me. Now, this is peak action. It is. Peak action. Dwayne Eskridge didn't do anything. They, they, I don't I know. know how he's contained. I, I have no idea what happened there. Other than that, um, oh, I had Cal come in late, too. I guess Bama LSU under. I didn't have really have any bad plays other than that Western Michigan. My best call, man, I love FAU unders. But that that had some lucky plays to it. But my best call, I can't believe it took us so long to talk about it, baby. The Zips. Akron Zips, 31-3. They end the losing streak. How beautiful is Maction? How <laughs> beautiful is Maction? Oh, man. Just when we thought we had peak Maction. And they dominate Bowling Green. Dominate. Mainly on special teams. They got outgained. <laughs> but they won 31-3. to And uh, Akron is off the schneid. Bowling Green is the worst team in the country. Um, So that's my best call. My bet regret. Every gambler knows that feeling. Let's talk bet regret. Uh, Let's go with Kansas under. You motherfuckers scared me off of it. And I knew once I didn't hit it, it was going to go under. And it never even sniffed. I was sitting there watching that score. Being like, oh, God, this isn't even going to sniff. So, yeah, that's it. I was happy with almost all of my my plays except Western Michigan. A couple bad breaks. Those will happen. Uh, how about you? Best call, worst call, bet regret? Well, I'd like to say Kansas plus 27 after you uh, called me out on Twitter and got a, got a whole bunch of attention. I was like, listen, I actually see something with their corners on defense here. Uh, so I won't say that's the best call, and I definitely won't say Arkansas basketball, who beat the living snot out of Lipscomb, may have been one of the easiest bets I ever made in my life. Uh, I'm going to go with Akron. Uh, we called our shot. We called our shot. Uh, we said that uh, the reason was because Akron has an explosive offense. Bowling Green does not. You, it, it, the defenses were wash, and Tion Dollard went for almost 200 and just blew Bowling Green away. Tom Arth talked about how the focus in practice was getting the offensive line to do their job. They did their job. Glad I got it done. Best call there. Worst call easily was South Alabama. Uh, I bought into Steve Campbell coaching for his life against his old Troy. Uh, I believe he uh, played coach there. Uh, I know he won a national title, I think, at Delta State. I mean, the Troy-South Alabama is a very much underrated rivalry that's never talked about, and this is a big personal deal to Steve Campbell. Better rivalry than (laughs) Missouri-Arkansas? Well, they don't have a 180-pound trophy that nobody cares about. Oh, hey, Colin, this is your producer. Are you talking about the battle line trophy that we at Mizzou now have? We care about that. Now, you and Barry Odom can go fuck off. Uh, But... I will say that, you know, Steve Campbell had cut an, uh, an interview on Friday night uh, about how they were so depleted on defense. Like there were, you know, walk-ons, there were practice squad, COVID injuries, everything has taken its toll. And I didn't do anything about it on Saturday morning. I thought that this number had steamed enough up to five. Uh, I let it sit there. So that was, that was probably my worst call is not coming back on that when I read what they were dealing with on the defensive side. Uh, bet regret by far. Something that I was pissed off about the second the game kicked and I did nothing about it was talking on the podcast about how Oklahoma was going to have problems with Dave Aranda's defense. And here we are sitting 10-0 at half and the game easily goes to the under. Uh, I I thought that uh, Spencer Rattler would have a hard time reading defenses. He did. I thought Spencer Rattler would have pressure on him. I believe there were 11 tackles for loss and four sacks by Baylor. That's definitely my bet regret after, you know, calling it out and saying this is a a great spot to to get an under. Can you explain to me what – in God's name, happened in 
I mean, I, I really need an explanation. At Joan C. Edwards Stadium in Huntington, West Virginia, because Rice, with their backup quarterback, won 20 to nothing as 24 point underdogs over previously undefeated and ranked Marshall, whose quarterback, Grant Wells, finished 18 of 35 for 165 yards, no touchdowns, and five picks with a four QBR. The fuck happened there? Yeah, and what's more amazing when you look at the uh, – yeah, Grant Wells had five interceptions. Uh, and when you have five interceptions, that makes it pretty tough to win the game. Even a team like Rice will try to find their way out of winning a game where they were spotted an average starting field position of the 40-yard line. Uh, they had zero passes over 15 yards. They had zero runs over 12 yards. Zero explosiveness. Uh, didn't gain that many yards. It was really all uh, those five interceptions and those turnovers, and Rice was able to just do enough to get at least an honest score on the board. Uh, this is one of the worst football games. You don't expect that out of an undefeated team, and you don't expect that out of Marshall, who's a very disciplined team under Doc Holliday. So uh, quite surprising not to just see Wells throw five interceptions, but to see Holiday keep him in there. So, uh, yeah, interesting from all angles here, but definitely it was the five turnovers. It had nothing to do with Rice's offense. Uh, how about TCU? TCU turned it over five times and still beat Oak State. What the hell happened there? Uh, I get Spencer Sanders could be bad at times, but the Oak State defense has been good all year. TCU turned it over five times, still got over 500 yards against Oak State, and won that game by seven. I mean, this is – I can't even tell you how they won this. Their field position wasn't as good. They turned the ball over five times. Oklahoma State couldn't do shit. By the way, TCU is going to drill La Tech. I hate that they won last week, but La Tech won't be able to get a yard. I think La Tech will average less than two yards per play. Like they do every game. I mean, I'm dead serious. You look at La Tech's wins. First of all, they're jokes. They're absolute jokes. They beat Southern Miss by one on a prayer comeback, and they averaged – that one they averaged 4.9 yards per play. They gave up seven. Uh, there are other FBS wins. They beat UAB by three. In that game, La Tech – averaged five yards per play, gave up 6.6. They beat UTEP, 21-17. UTEP, minor nation, what's up? You don't call anymore. Picks up. Lotsack had 200 yards. They averaged three yards per play and won that game. I I mean, these are their wins. And they beat North Texas in a game where North Texas averaged 5.4. Lotsack averaged four yards per play in that game. Do you know how bad the North Texas defense is? And you only averaged four yards per play? I mean, they don't do anything right. I can't see them scoring. I'm going to lay it. Um, well, I was hoping to get under 21, but they're sitting on five wins. I mean, they're sitting on a five and four record with a chance to get to a legit six wins in a pandemic where, you know, bowl who, you know, a team's going to take for a bowl game, a little questionable about how this is about to happen. But getting to six wins should guarantee you something like a cheese at Alamo or New Year's Eve Texas Bowl, something around there. So, uh, I would expect Gary Patterson to do everything that he can to get the attention of people that run these bowls and uh, would like to have his team in it. By the way, uh, La Tech, they've won like six or seven straight bowl games. We always play them. I don't know if I'm gonna, I could do that this year. But that's a discussion for another day. Let's get to a couple weekday college football games. I think there's only two prior to Friday. We'll cover any Friday night lights on the podcast we record on Thursday, which comes out overnight Thursday before your commute on Friday morning. Why wait for the weekend? Strap in your fun belts and get ready for Maction. It's Midweek Madness. 
There are two Thursday games at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. We have FAU, my favorite under team, laying eight and a half at Southern Miss over under 42 and a half. And then we also have Pitt laying six and a half, a Pitt team I can't figure out, uh, at Georgia Tech over under 53 and a half. Thoughts on either or both of these games? Yeah, Florida Atlantic and Southern Miss is – uh, you know, it's supposed to, it's, it should be under city, right? That's all, that's all the owls are is under city with Levitt there as a defensive coordinator. Uh, JV on Posey was no threat in this previous game. He has had explosive plays before, but Southern Miss has this season from hell, you know, head coach fired, let go. Uh, their interim cro- coach has already taken another job. He's already left town. Uh, second interim coach of the season, multiple uh, cancellations, postponements due to COVID. If this game even gets played, uh, you know, neither of these teams are going to be able to do much. Now, Florida Atlantic does have major advantages in defense. Specifically, they're number one in the country in finishing drives. Uh, They're top 20 in pass coverage. And, you know, Southern Miss, there's not really anything special about them on offense. Uh, They do rank 39th in rush explosiveness, but that's nothing that FAU's defense probably can't handle. There's no successor out of Southern Miss whatsoever. Can you lay it? I don't know. I make it 10. Uh, the number's at eight. So I would certainly say if you had to take a side, I would take the Owls. And with Pitt and Georgia Tech, uh, really, I mean, this is another game that is right close to my total. It's a projection of 50. Uh, the number's at 53 and a half per bet MGM uh, side. I have at eight. Number's at six and a half. So, you know, based on that, I would lean on Pitt. And I would lean on the under in this game. Uh, Pitt's defense should dominate Georgia Tech's offense. Uh, Even, you know, Georgia Tech is top 35 in rushing success rate on offense, but, you know, Pitt's top 25 in stopping the run. So not a lot of advantages for Georgia Tech to try to find the end zone. You know, and Georgia Tech is 120th in special teams, and Pitt is eighth in special teams. Monster, monster advantage in special teams. So I would look uh, to lay it with Pitt if I had to play this game, at least from where I see right now. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, uh, before we get out of here, we do have some Monday night football to cover. There is some Tuesday football. Keep your eye on the injury reports. We'll have write-ups out in the Action Network app at actionnetwork.com as well with the Ravens hosting the Cowboys. It does look like Lamar Jackson will go at minus eight. Could I think they're a good teaser piece now if you want to tease them with something on Monday night. Two Monday night games, the Steelers are six and a half point favorites at BetMGM, over under 43 and a half at home against the Washington football team. The Steelers obviously are 11 and 0. This is a great situational spot for Washington. I took some eight and a half late last week. The Steelers played on Wednesday. Wednesday. That means they had four days to prepare. Meanwhile, Washington played on Thanksgiving two Thursdays ago. 
they had almost a full week, an additional full week to prepare for this game. The Pittsburgh offense, we've been saying this, they've played, look, Pittsburgh's 11-0. I don't have, I say this on every podcast. They're a really good team. They're in my top five, but they play one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. Their offensive numbers are still pretty ugly. They can't run the ball. Their offensive line is not playing at a high level. Big Ben is just not the same quarterback, obviously, uh, that we saw during his peak years. And Washington has one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. One of the most underrated aspects of the Washington team is their offensive line. Look how their offensive line is graded out across the board. That It's playing really well. Obviously, you have Terry McLaurin. That's their main threat. They're going to throw to Gibson, the rookie at running back, has been really good as well. Uh, but I think Washington give Pittsburgh some trouble in the trenches. They can get to Ben. Uh, and this Pittsburgh offense just isn't playing really well. It's a potential flat spot, too. It's on a short rest. The problem is, factoring all of that in, I make this line 6.7, I think, and it's 6.5. So if you could get over 7, you know, 8, well, I took some 8.5, that, uh, you know, giving all the intangibles here. That's something I would, I would look at. It doesn't look like we're going to get there, but if, you know, if Pittsburgh gets an early field goal and you want to get on get in live, you can certainly do that. Steelers might miss Bud Dupree as well. as out for the year with a torn ACL. Um, Pittsburgh has Buffalo on deck, and they might be overlooking here. And you've seen Mike Tomlin teams come out flat plenty of times against inferior opponents. Uh, so I'm on Washington. The market's adjusted. Sometimes if you miss the number to cross the key number, you just have to pass – Maybe wait for an opportunity live, uh, but I'll be on Washington over a touchdown there. Right now, I think the line's about right, slight lean to the under, but the total's about right as well. Any feel there for you, Colin? Yeah, I mean, at six and a half, I wanted to buy the Steelers, but I still think that may be a little bit too much. Because of the spot, I agree with you. They're going to come out pretty slow, and considering how long it's been and how long it's been since Washington football team uh, took the field. I think a first half under is warranted here. I think eventually the points will hit the board, but uh, I think early on it's going to be tough sledding for points. And the other game we have San Fran, five and six. This game will be in Arizona in Glendale. They are hosting the eight and three Buffalo Bills. San Fran still has a really good shot to get to the playoffs in the NFC, which is just a mess. At the, I mean, the six and six Vikings are in right now. San Fran's a pick in, I guess this is a neutral site game, but Buffalo is coming across country here. With the Steelers on deck, they're eight and three. Oh, you could potentially see them overlooking this, but they have a really good staff. Over under forty-seven and a half at BetMGM. Uh, I took a piece of the uh, of San Fran plus one and plus one and a half late last week. I think. Look, this 49ers defense—they're so well coached. They're playing really well. They're still getting pressure despite all their losses. They now get Richard. They got Richard Sherman back last week. Just completely shut down the Rams. It's a complex defense on the back end when they're healthy, and they're a lot healthier now. I think they'll force Josh Allen into a couple mistakes. San Fran, what can they do? They can run the ball as well as any team in the NFL, and that is where Buffalo really struggles uh, in defending the run. They have the past two years. Now, Buffalo's getting healthier on the defensive side of the ball. Their defense has played better of late, but – you know, it was against New England. New England's offense can't do anything against anybody. You know, and they, they, the Chargers put up a bunch of yards. Seattle put up a bunch of yards on them. They lost to Arizona. So it's like, I know the, the defense is trending up and there's some promising things here, especially in the secondary, which is where I think their strength is. But it's still a defense you can run on, which the 49ers can do. You have Debo Samuel also back. I do think the Buffalo defense is headed in the right direction. But from a matchup point of view here, I think this really favors the 49ers, a desperate 49ers team 
who I think gets this win here. I think they force a couple turnovers on Josh Allen, and they're able to move the ball all day on the ground. If you had to make me choose over or under here, I'd probably go under. I think the San Fran defense is playing really well, and the Buffalo defense is trending up. You'll have San Fran run heavy, controlling the clock here. So I would lean under. I like San Fran to win this game. Any thoughts here? Yeah, I'm actually looking at the over here uh, for a lot of a lot of things that you mentioned is that San Francisco is going to be able to take advantage in the ground game, especially when they get to the back seven of the Buffalo defense who have not a very you know high ranking in second level yards. They're not going to get away with arm tackles here. So I do think San Francisco can not just be efficient, but I think that they can actually have some explosive plays on offense. Buffalo this season, out of 11 games, eight of them have gone to the over. Uh, out of five games on the road, four of them have gone to the over. Uh, this team, for some reason, doesn't play a lot of defense and plays uh, you know, a little bit more offense than they do when they're up at home in Buffalo. Uh, so they are an over team, especially on the road, and I think San Francisco is not going to have any problems getting their share points. So market-wise, I <sighs> – I think there's going to be a lot of under money on this, so I'm not rushing to take 47 and a half. And, and you know, every time it clips down a half point, that's a key number. So uh, I'm willing to sit and wait uh, until before kick. But I do like the over in this game. All right, fair enough. Um, that'll do it for us. Uh, make sure that you leave a review, rate, five-star review. Just take a couple minutes, what you're doing right now. Take 30 seconds. Look, sometimes I could just – the first one that pops up, I'm just going to pick you and we'll send you gear, and then you'll be in – the raffles for other cash stuff and things, futures, things at the end of the year. David Archuleta will win American Idol. <laughs> That's his username. Great content every week by Colin and Stucky. I love this podcast. Look, it's that easy. And uh, Spence JB just left the review too. I find myself repeating Bo next season in full effect. A little fluff. And there's just a little fluff and good banner. But, uh, yeah, he loves all the pods. He listens to fantasy college football on the Sunday six pack pod. So we appreciate your support. Yeah. And one more Eddie P lines fan. That's for the, the burner, which was ended up being a fake burner. We appreciate the gives a shout out to Ray by myself and you Colin. Um, all right. So that'll do it for us. Make sure that you check us out on Twitter, check out the action app for action network app for all of our picks ActionNetwork.com for all of the analysis as well. Uh, it's time for us to go get to work and find some more winners for next week. We'll be back on Friday morning. Until then, hope you find some winners in college basketball. I'll try to help you out there on the app. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking.